This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 12 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today is Part 3 in our series on Will Wheaton as a, a television personality, where we're going to be looking at Wheaton's second show, The Will Wheaton Project. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, we just want to let you know about this special promotion we're running where you can win great Star Trek prizes just for reviewing commentary Trek stars and our other shows in iTunes and on Stitcher. Each review gets you an entry into the drawing, and we'll give you the full details at the end of the show. All right. So now on to business. The Will Wheaton Project. This is a relatively new show. Uh, which is on Sci-Fi right now. Yeah, um, I believe they're maybe eight episodes in to their first season. Yeah, somewhere in that area, and uh, it is a talk show of sorts. Well, Will Wheaton has described it as talk soup yeah. for geeks. Right. Which I found interesting because I didn't know that talk soup was mainstream enough to be used as an example for something. <laughs> It's definitely mainstream enough to be used as an example for something. That's weird, because I haven't, I haven't seen Talk Soup since, I'm this is not kidding, the 90s. You may not have, but other people have. I mean, if you look at, like, the, the lineage of the hosts of Talk Soup and... Well, I knew that Joel McHale was the host of Talk Soup, but right, right before Community? Right, right before that Community. That is the extent of the knowledge of Talk Soup that I have post-Greg Kinnear. Yeah, post-Greg Kinnear you had... Uh, they had the Henson guy. Greg Kinnear, John Henson, John, Hal Sparks, Aisha Tyler, Aisha Tyler, how's the things? Yeah, and now Joel McHale. It's still Joel McHale. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Quite as good. So anyway, yeah, I mean Kinnear, you went on to like get nominated for Oscars and stuff. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's it's pretty mainstream, regardless. So this is a show. Yeah, like we were saying, that, that that airs on the Sci-Fi channel, and it's basically Will Wheaton getting up there and doing what Talk Soup does, but instead of for talk shows, like when he said that, I thought it was going to be about, like, geek talk shows. I thought, like, basically we'd be seeing clips from, like, The Talking Dead and stuff like that, but no, what it is is actually well, something It would not which, be a whole library of no, clips. No, no, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's something which is a lot better. It's sort of like recapping the week in... Um, mainly sci-fi, fantasy, television. Well, it's it's genre. Yeah, genre, television, also yeah. movies and stuff like that, if there's a trailer out or something like that. But there's a lot of things where they'll take uh, clips from uh, last week's episode of Game of Thrones or Leftovers or whatever and, and show that. And it actually works pretty well, a lot better than I kind of thought it would. 
Well, I mean, like, I think that the term talk soup for geeks is actually very descriptive, which I still find very strange because I still don't know how that possibly is an example that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of people who watch, uh, as they call it now, the soup. I don't approve of that. That's disgusting. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a uh, – I heard that description, and then I watched the show, and I thought, wow, that's a really accurate description in a lot of ways because what I remember of talk soup from the 90s was a very similar tone. Mm-hmm. It is a very similar tone. Um, but this also adds like little skits and sort of re-edits of trailers and stuff. They've got like this voiceover guy whose voice I really recognize. I know that he's done other stuff yeah. before. Talks does the same thing. There's yeah. just a more interesting subject matter. Perhaps. On, perhaps. on, on the Will Wheaton project. Yeah. So, I don't know. To me, you can kind of break up the show into like three categories or segments or stuff like that first off there's will wheaton introducing the clips right and then you know they're just showing the clips and then he's giving his reaction and it's kind of almost like a comedian's um stand-up at the beginning of a talk show you know what i mean his monologue yes uh the opening monologue yeah now except his you know probably like a minute tops well, well, no, but I mean, it is like an extended thing where he's introducing clips and then they're showing the clips and then he's coming back. I mean, that that takes up like probably the majority of the of the episode, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, the back and like the intercut. Right, right. So now, my thoughts are, in terms of of uh, concept, it's sound, uh, and I think that you know the the jokes and everything like that t- tend to be funny, but I think that maybe Wheaton is still having trouble finding his footing in terms of that role, doing that thing. And, like, if you watch, even though it's only been on for two months, like, if you watch the first episode compared to the last episode, he's definitely getting more comfortable with it, definitely getting better at it. But, you know, like, he doesn't really quite know how to handle it when, like, a joke doesn't land. And that sort of thing. The other thing which I think is really probably the the biggest detractor from the series is not even really his fault. I think it's the way that they mic the the audience because I'm assuming they have a number of people there, but the way that it's set up, you always hear like one guy laughing, right? And what it ends up sounding like is he's in a nightclub where no one thinks he's funny except for one drunk dude in the corner, you know? And and that just on sort of a, um, a subconscious level kind of makes me not laugh as much at the jokes because I feel like he's dying in the room. Oh my god, that's so that's crazy! And like I'm, so and it's not it's not do, like you I'm, respond positively to laughing. It's not it's not that I I feel like he's not being funny. It's like. I feel bad for him because I feel like everyone else thinks he's not funny, you know? It's so bizarre. It's I strange. I, I Honestly, I, I, I didn't even know that there was laughing. Like, the way that they do it on, on Talk Soup or whatever is, I don't think they do have an audience. At least they didn't back in the 90s. No, they you, well, did. You, you would hear, you would but hear it like, was like maybe nine people. You would hear, like, cat calls and stuff from, like, the crew members is what it sounded like. Yeah, it, it was... The, I remember. I remember the audience. It was there. There were literally like a handful of chairs. 
Right. I don't I don't even think that it was really an audience. I think it was just like people who were there and they would like yes. shout things at him and everything like that. No, that's true. But and they were in me, chairs. That to me I liked. That to me I thought worked really well because it's like these people who traditionally speaking are supposed to be quiet are so overcome by the humor that they feel the need to uh laugh or whatever and it's just i mean it's all sort of like a formal thing but it's something which works really well whereas here with will wheaton it's like he's got an audience but you don't hear the audience laughing see i think i think you get this completely backwards the whole point is the informality like it, they're not supposed to be formal. They're not supposed to be obeying rules. The idea is like it's funny in the room. That's the but. I, but I get the impression the that is not funny in the room here. See, I don't respond to laughter. Like if I hear laughter, I actually that makes me less inclined to find something enjoyable. But you can see how a performer because that's frustrating. You can see how a performer would respond to laughter, though, right? I do, but I think that you probably shouldn't in this context. Well, I think that he does, though. You know, he definitely plays to the audience. He's definitely like, you know, like I was just watching an episode the other day where he's like, uh, we got any Los Angeles people here? And then everyone's like, woohoo, obviously, because he shoots in Los Angeles. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's the easiest way to, you know, pander to a crowd or whatever. You know, so, I mean, he does play off of them. Sure. But they're not doing their part. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get this. It, I don't get just, this problem. It's just I don't a know. weird thing. It's I don't, a weird formal thing see, I, which I, I, makes I think it's, him I think it's backwards. seem less funny in a I, sense. I don't get that. I don't mm-hmm. get that. I hate the audience laughter. I hate when the audience laughs at something that isn't funny. And I hate when they laugh too hard at something that's a little bit funny. Well, I would prefer the complete absence of an audience reaction. And that would be fine because then, you know, he would just be up there doing his thing and that's fine. But when you have it like this where it's just sort of like it really does feel like, you know, that scene in in Raging Bull where he's in the the, the bar or whatever, the nightclub and he's telling his jokes and you hear the rim shots and you hear like one guy like laughing hysterically and everyone else is just like silent. You know? I don't know. Like part of my whole like like recognizing you know TV comedy and like appreciating the you know the art form was essentially tuning out what other people liked. Like I have to like I like I learned to tune out laugh tracks. And I'm not and like, saying I think that that's crucial. And, and, you can and I'm not never saying, judge the judge the room by the sound. I'm not saying that that I uh, am informing my opinion of what's funny or not funny based on. What You're the audience is doing. The audience changes the way you feel about it. The audience changes the way that I feel about it because, regardless of whether or not I think it's funny or unfunny, I feel for Will Wheaton struggling to get the audience on his side. So, what we have there also in that 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 sequence is the clips that Wheaton is showing to the audience. You know? Yeah, it's a very mixed bag because some of those shows are not good. I, I think a lot of those shows are not not good, but I think they play that up. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that they do actually is, uh, more than anything, is they make fun of the shows that even people think are really good. You know? Yeah, the, I mean, some of it. Some of it's like I, I still find sort of fuzzy because like there's, there's a lot of coverage of Salem. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I think in a lot of ways, Salem is kind of an easy target, you know? No, like, the, the first episode, I thought that they, like, nailed it. Like, the, the, the um, maybe you'll think that you'll see boobs, but no. Like, that was funny. That was solid. Yeah. yeah. And 
I think after you've made that joke, there's not a whole lot to say about it. Well, I think probably also, you know, you've got to sort of play the game. And I mean, this is something that they do in talk shows and everything, too. And, you know, the Will Wheaton Project does mm-hmm. have guests. And they have had, you know, like the Star of Salem on their show. So there is probably s- some sort of, uh, you know, what's the metaphor that I'm looking for? Faustian uh, pact? Hand shaking. No, not, uh, oh, I like mine ba- better. Back pa- padding. Faustian pact. Okay, yeah. But... What I find most interesting about these clips is it actually does get me to want to watch some of these shows because there's like a lot of shows which, you know, I just don't have time to watch them and the things which I've always wanted to see just haven't, you know, like Game of Thrones, for example, you know, and Leftovers and uh, True Blood. You know, I've only seen season one. I liked it a lot. I just haven't had a chance to go back and watch the rest of it. And, like, seeing these clips, I'm like, oh, man, I feel like I'm missing out. But then there's also a lot of stuff in there where I'm just like, what? Like, this is actually something which is happening? I don't know what specifically you're addressing, but you did mention True Blood. Mm -hmm. And True Blood is a show that might seem good from a distance. There's there's a lot that I like about True Blood, but regardless of that, like I'm but thinking, it is of, unbelievably stupid. Like like they showed they showed a clip of uh, the Strain, yeah. which is the new show that Guillermo del Toro is producing, and yeah. and uh, <laughs> they showed a clip where a vampire was attacking a guy, and it was just one of those things where it went on and on and on, and it's like it starts with like him sucking the dude's blood, and then it ends up with him, you know, like basically ripping his head off and then shoving it down his throat and then doing the thing. I mean, it was like insane. It just he ripped kept his on, head off and then shoved it down his yeah, throat? Yeah, he did. He did. It was crazy. You mean down the neck hole? No, it, it wasn't even that that happened. But, you know, okay. it was just this, this thing where it just kept on going and going and going, and it was hilarious seeing it, you know, out of context like that. And that's one of the things which I think the show does best is sort of take these things, which I'm assuming most people who are watching the show, you know, know and love. And by placing them in a slightly different context, you make them absolutely hilarious. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. No, but that's that's accurate. But it's a weird it's a weird game. Like, I I, I don't know how how the how the writers on staff handle the wide range and quality yeah uh, and like it to me like I, I would have a hard time like you know bringing up game of thrones in the same sentence with true blood i mean the other thing that they do is that would make me feel silly if i did that i just did it so yeah. i feel silly because i did that the other thing that they do which is funny is they're very irreverent when it comes to the quality level of the sci-fi channel's programming and they very frequently I don't know play. if irreverent is the word. I, I think it's irreverent, yeah. Well, I think it's more like they they're they're reverent towards being irreverent toward it. Sure. And they they very frequently play clips from um the the plethora of T V movies that the sci fi channel tends to produce Octoplague. Yeah. It's a plague of octopuses. Yeah. Shark quake. You know, things like that. Shark quake. That's in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and that's that's a lot of fun because those are things When which, I saw that, I looked it up and it isn't real. Those are things which which I, I would never, ever see. 
and seeing sort of like the best bits from them and the reasons why people like them is is fun. Seeing it here in one, you know, I'm nice still ve- I'm I'm still waiting for some evidence that people actually like these things. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any convincing evidence of that. I it it all feels very. It feels very running joke, like an entire culture is playing this joke on everyone else. Like, yeah, we don't think this is stupid, and we actually watched it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still don't buy it. I think it's one of those things where people sort of enjoy watching it. It's almost become like a communal experience. I mean, if you look at, like... I don't know, man. I, I tried watching Sharknado when it hit Netflix. But you watched it in a room by yourself. I I tried... I got about like a minute and a half in. And I was like, yeah. I can't do this. But what I'm saying this is... This is not fun. But what I'm saying is like, that's that was your experience with Sharknado. But like, I was at a theater the other day where they were playing the Rift Tracks Sharknado. And the people coming out of that theater were like on a high. Like, I haven't seen people come out of a theater in a long time. You know? No, I, I, I get that. But, like, I cannot get through... I can't get through Batman and Robin, no matter what Riff Tracks right. type thing I'm, I'm, I'm listening to. But like, if you're, but if you're it, in a room with... A, a, if you're at a party where someone turns on Batman and Robin, you can have a fun time with that group laughing at Batman and Robin. Whereas... Mm, well, I can Okay, no, maybe I'm going to get bored. Maybe you can. Because the your, jokes are the same. That's like, your, it's the same stupid every minute. Right. And, and, and it doesn't okay. stop. So that's your personal preference. But what I guess what I'm saying is certainly people in general, I think, that's what... I mean, when you look at Sharknado, I mean, the last time that Sharknado aired or whatever it was, or the first time, you know, I happened to be on Twitter at the time. And even though I wasn't watching it, I was seeing everyone's reaction to this thing. And it became sort of like a communal experience. Sure. I don't understand how people can stomach it. No matter how much fun they're having making fun of it, yeah, there is no way that that makes up for how boring it is. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen it myself, so I can't comment. But the, the other thing that they do on this show is they bring on guests, but... Unlike most talk shows where, you know, if someone's promoting a new movie, they sit down and talk about the new movie. Here, they're just like, Andy Serkis has Dawn of the Planet of the Apes coming out. Yeah. So let's bring Andy Serkis on the show. And what we can do is play a game where we watch the beginning of a clip from a horror movie and guess how the person dies. You know? And then they do this, and then they just basically come up with these crazy scenarios, you know, both Wheaton and the guest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this, I think, depends on how good the guest is at, at you know, sort of improvising. I mean, Andy Circus on his episode was really, really good, and Wheaton's really good at it, too. Uh, other people, not so much. Yeah. But uh, it is still fun, and even when the guest falters, you still get these usually hilarious clips from movies like Sharknado um, where you see the most outlandish uh, schlock you'll probably ever see from a sci-fi production. But um, like, like the part of the part of the whole thing is that you like the, the guests on the show aren't the draw. I mean, like that's sort of the, the weird paradoxical nature of like talk shows and entertainment television in general. There's always this weird sort of give and take, and like the reason people watch Conan isn't because of who he has this week. Like it's it's for him. Like that's why I mean the Will Wheaton project is popular because of Will Wheaton. Like yeah. the guests might make it better. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not really important. No, no. And, and they're usually only on for like five minutes anyway, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. The other thing that they do on this show, which to me is is probably the highlight of the show, is sort of re-editing trailers or TV promos or whatever in order to make um, funny little sketches out of your favorite show or whatever, you know? Things like uh, doing a a Game of Thrones uh, series intro in the style of the Brady Bunch, you know, things like that. Generally speaking, those are pretty funny. You know, they're sort of like almost their version of honest trailers, but not nearly as annoying as that. Well, no, there's there's a whole there's a whole universe of this. Like there's a like there are tons and tons and tons of these like this mm-hmm. particular genre of thing yeah. which is basically a trailer for a thing but the trailer is for a different genre. Have tra- you ever seen the romantic well, that, comedy Shining? There's that, but there's also the sort of thing like uh what we were just talking the other day on our other show about Fish Mooney, you know, the the mm-hmm. character from Gotham and you're like who is this character? And they did a whole thing where they're like this season on Gotham, you will meet the Penguin and the Riddler and Poison Ivy and Fish Mooney. That's right. She's not from the comic. Deal with it, fanboys. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. Where it's still, like, in that that style of, like, a trailer for Gotham. But what they're talking about is very sort of meta, you know? Sure. And uh, I think that it does both of them really well. I, I'm the whole time I'm watching it though. I'm I'm constantly worried about spoilers for shows that I haven't seen. So now that we've sort of gone all around the Will Wheaton project and looked at all of the different elements individually, circle strafed around it. When you add it all up, what are your thoughts? Are you, are you a fan? Do you think it's good? Well, I mean, like it's it's really hard for me to visualize putting like a non-scripted show into regular rotation regular rotation what on the sci-fi channel or in no your, in, in, in my your life. life okay i don't like i i don't really have anything else like that the, in my in my regular viewing that is talk show-ish that's kind of surprising i would think as someone who's a fan of comedy you would uh, tend to gravitate towards things like letterman or Conan O'Brien. Oh well, no, but that's sort of part of the problem. It's because like like they are kind of about consistency and and you know plugging away the same thing. And like you know, if you watch an episode of Conan and you haven't seen one in a few years, it will be really funny. But if you watch it every day for a couple months, it will become sort of one note. So like you essentially can't keep doing it, otherwise it becomes something you watch out of habit. And I don't really watch anything out of habit, but like. I'm a huge fan of, like, the two shows that Chris Hardwick and Will Wheaton were doing. I mean, like, the, the Falling Skies and the Walking Dead talk shows. And it was because they were actually talking about interesting things. And it doesn't matter what the nature of it is. Like, I actually watched The Talking Dead with more excitement than The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's honest, which is super hard to find. And if I were to incorporate the Will Wheaton project into my regular viewing, it might open up weird doors that would start consuming a lot of time. But for the time being, it, it is a thing I'm watching. Okay. At some point, I might stop just because I can't 
I, I just can't muster up the interest to be, you know, uh, amused by how Gotham is a TV show. Like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, if something new happens, it might be entertaining, but I don't, I don't foresee myself um, locking into it forever. But you do enjoy it now? Um, sure, that's true of almost everything. I mean, like, I mean, I'll watch pretty much anything for a while. I mean, there are, there are plenty of people who are doing talk shows and entertainment series, and they're doing a good job at it. But it's not going to be normal for me to watch it because I just don't have the interest in the day-to-day existence of these things. And especially, like, with the like, internet act- activity. Like, if the internet is is involved in the scenario... Probably not going to care because it's uh, basically like every five minutes. It's an entirely different universe. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it's the same jokes over and over again. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think that on the whole, this is a good show. It's the type of thing that I would not make a point of tuning into. I, I can't imagine like clearing my Tuesday nights so that I could sit down and watch the Will Wheaton project or making sure that I record each episode so that I have it whenever I need to. But, you know, if I'm doing something else, I can definitely see throwing it on in the background, kind of like I would a podcast or something like that, where I don't really need to pay much attention to it. But at the same time, I do find it to be, you know, entertaining. And I will occasionally look over because they're doing something funny, you know? Yeah, I mean, essentially, like, the the thing that I would be that I would respond most to would be basically the one thing that would break the entire show, which would be you know, doing it live. Yeah, that would be that would be enough for me to like make an appointment to television, because like that's why like I consider like those talk shows to be so great because they're live, mm-hmm. and that's part of why it's good because it's actually occurring, and that means that it's in, in a way it's honest in a way that you can't find out outside of it. And uh, if the show had no writers, I would probably um, watch it um, every time, all the time, for years. Well, I mean, maybe one day they will end up doing it live. I know, like, they talked about, like, the Falling Skies show or whatever and how occasionally they would do live episodes. But watch. For, for the most part, it was a recorded show, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So maybe Will Wheaton will eventually or the Will Wheaton project will eventually get to a point where they can do special live episodes, like maybe a post Sharknado live Will Wheaton project or something. Who knows? Who knows? And any final thoughts on the Will Wheaton project? Um, for the time being, I'm going to be watching this as it airs and I don't have any problems with that. But that means that it's basically the only non-scripted show that I'm watching, probably until fall. Um, yeah, I don't. Which think... is pretty weird for me. And the only reason I'm doing it is because Will Wheaton's involved, and because I like him. Like as a person, I'm interested in what he's doing, and I'd rather have something like that than most other things. <laughs> for me, um, I you know I. I do enjoy the show and I, I like Will Wheaton on I think that he's a big part of why the show does work um, because I think he is really sort of good at improvising even though it is a scripted show you know I think his he's uh, smart enough and funny enough that he can sort of steer it in a certain direction which is even more amusing uh, I do like the um, pre-produced clips 
quite a bit. I think that that's probably the big strength in the series. And I would definitely recommend it. I can't say that I'm going to watch it every week, but if it's on, I'm probably not going to turn it off. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's on Hulu. Yeah. For some reason, web only. I don't know why that happened. I find that irritating. You can also download it off of the Sci-Fi app. Yeah. And um, it's also on the Sci-Fi channel. Yes. On Tuesdays at 8 o'clock. Well, 9 o'clock Eastern. Eight o'clock. Like you turn the TV on, it's happening then when you turn it on because that's the time that starts. Yeah, that's crazy. We, but anybody still does that. It's been fun talking about the Will Wheaton project this week, but that's not all that we're talking about here on Trek FM. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, Standard Orbit. Roddenberry did not like that sequence at all because he felt that Kirk would not have done that, that that wasn't in the Star Trek spirit, that Kirk would have studied the creature, not killed the creature. Earl Grey. I love how the Cardassians look, especially once they're firmly established and not wearing what looks to be like cardboard drink holders you get from McDonald's. It looks like that's the material that it's made out of. The Orb. To have this many habitable moons surrounding a habitable planet seems very interesting because usually what you get is a planet that's uninhabitable but is being orbited by a habitable moon. The ready room. And Worf's like, well, I was at the Marzon colony and then and then the audio fades out where the writers are like, we're just not even going to try to explain <laughs> this. To the journey! Just think about it. The doctor is a priest. That alone is enough to end the episode debate and say that's a fantastic episode. That's like saying spirit folk is worth watching because Harry kisses a cow. Well, there you go. Commentary, Trek stars. Just because he can go away doesn't mean that he can't come back. To life. Because he dies. <laughs> he Wait, dies. what? Literally, he like gets his head chopped off. It's kind of <laughs> oh, brutal. But um, skipping spoilers. over the part where Molarum pulls his heart out. Well, yeah, there was that too with the fire. Yeah. Warp 5. I wish yes. selfies were as big of a thing then as they are now, <laughs> or they were as big in 2003 when this was filmed. Because they'd be like, remember that? I have a selfie at the time I turned into an alien. I have a selfie of me with ridges. Melodic tracks. Now this changed when he sang in Leonard Bernstein's mass, and Bernstein himself saw Picard and told him he should pursue being an actor. Continuing mission. The original series has its own particular um lore and fandom that are that mm. is different yeah. it is different so it's so unique to be a part of something that is so um dedicated to bringing back such a particular and specific part of that star trek universe and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out these shows and get in on the daily trek talk you'll find them on itunes stitcher tune in the windows podcast directory for xbox and zune or you can stream them from the website just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links so we've got this contest going on um and yeah, what's the deal with that contest well basically if you review the show any of our trek fm shows or all of our trek fm shows if you review them on Stitcher or iTunes, you'll be in, entered into a contest to win one of a number of prizes. Uh, and they're pretty good prizes. We've got a season 
of Star Trek of your choice on Blu-ray or DVD. What? I know. Original series season four. There you go. Um, an official Starship's collection ship from Japan, along with the Japanese magazine that, that goes with it. What? And um, uh, Star Trek novels, or uh, a full collection of our alien art badges. Like the, 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 the Blu-ray set, for example. I mean, God, you know, we, we've got so many of those things. I mean, you can choose DVD, too. You know, if you're like a really big Deep Space Nine fan and you want to make a statement and be like, season seven of Deep Space Nine on DVD. Well, it's interesting because I wasn't sure if there was a good example for why you would do that, but that's a good example. Because the idea of somebody picking DVD at this point is bizarre. Right. But I mean, you know, next gen, you got the first six seasons on available on Blue Enterprise. You got them all available on Blue. You know, I've got uh, seasons one, three, four, and five of Next Gen. So I'd probably I'd probably go with season two of Next Gen. <laughs> you know, I find it hilarious that you know season two. Well, I as asked if for as them. you wanted to make as 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 obvious a statement with an, <laughs> it, like with as little effort as possible. No, what like happened? I'm implicitly <laughs> stating two sucks what happened was i i asked for them all for christmas and my birthday and those were the ones which were given to me you know really yeah wow that is impressive yeah how did they manage how did all these people buy these things manage to not get season two i think they went with what was on sale that's fantastic that'd be my guess that's fantastic um, but yeah, I mean, you can pick season two of, of next gen on blu-ray or whatever you want because it's if your you're choice. into that kind of thing yeah I want to see someone, you know, make. And by a, that kind of thing, I mean S and M. I want to see someone make a, make a really big statement and be like, you know what, animated series, two seasons for the price of one, but whatever. <laughs> um, the person who will do that will be a cartoon. Yes. Yes. So the winners are going to be drawn at random from all entries received before midnight Pacific time on July thirty first. So that's. Thursday night after this episode is dropping, so you've got like a week to to get in your entries. All you need to do is leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, and then you can only leave one review per show, of course, but you can review multiple shows. So, I mean, you can, I mean, we've got how many shows on this network? More than one a day, you know, so if you do all those and the master feed, I mean, that's like nine entries right there. Including the ones that are, like, still doing an episode a week? Right. You got those. There's, I don't know, like, there's 11, I think. I mean, Trek News and Views, I'm assuming you can leave a review for that, even though that's not even being done anymore, right? Yes. So, I mean, there's plenty of options out there. Do them all, because the more you do, the better chance you have of winning this contest. Um, so you just do that, and then you then go to trek.fm slash review, trek.fm slash review, and you complete the form there so that we know that you did a review because, you know, we need to find these reviews and, you know, whatever. And then that's it. That's all you do, you know? Yes. So um, we're looking forward to hearing from you, and thank you for the support. Indeed. And speaking of uh, support, we have a sponsor. Its name is Audible. Its name is Audible? Yes. What is it? It's a place where you can um, buy audiobooks. No, but what's its name? I just said its name is Audible. Well, yeah, I can hear it, but what is it called? 
What are you, what are you talking about? Fine. I don't get, how do you not get this joke? Oh, I got it. All right, whatever. That was terrible. You're going to hell. So, what were we talking about? No one's ever done the who's on first for Audible. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, you can get over 150,000 books on Audible. And since you listen to our show, you can get one for free by signing up, including Masters of Doom, How Two Guys Created an Empire and Transformed Pop Culture which is a book which was written by David Kushner and narrated by our very own Will Big Wheaton. Willie Wheaton. Oh, Will Wheaton? We're going with Will? Yeah. I like Big Willie Wheaton. Okay. It's 12 hours and 43 minutes long, unabridged. And here's the description for people who may not know. Masters of Doom is the amazing true story of the Lennon and McCartney of video games. John Carmack, John Carmack and, John and, and John Romero. Together, they ruled big business, they transformed popular culture, and they provoked a national controversy. More than anything, they lived a unique and rollicking American dream, escaping the broken homes of their youth to produce the most notoriously successful game franchises in history, Doom and Quake, until the games they made tore them apart. This is a story of friendship and betrayal, commerce and artistry. And you've read this book, right? Yes. It's good. Um, absolutely. I mean, like I, I grew up with the, the the legend of ID Software and the creation of Doom and Quake, and a lot of my history was sort of informed by um, um, rumor and legend. Uh, and so, reading the book was actually really, really revelatory because a lot of the the mythological aspects of its history are explained in a way that does not make it less mythic. And uh, there are certainly some very enjoyable parts. There's a part where John Romero gets locked into his office, and John Carmack frees him from the office with an axe. That sounds like fun. It's pretty dope. They should turn that into a level of doom. They should. Well, no, because there's no there's no good melee weapons in Doom. Mm-hmm. They sh- what they should do is is um, make a movie out of it. Yeah, maybe they could get Will Wheaton to star in it. You know, I I'm I am still shocked that they haven't already done this. Yeah. Because when this book came out, and this was a while ago, like maybe 10 years, like it would have made perfect sense at that point. Mm-hmm. But now John Carmack is like just you know building spaceships, and John Romero is making mobile games. It's super weird now. Yeah. They're not in their same old legendary positions. But John Carmack is a crazy genius, and John Romero is a, is a very charming weirdo. Yeah, and you can read all about them in this book, which you can get for free on Audible. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week, from classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive. Um, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and we thank Audible for supporting commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's one more way that you can help us out, and that's by picking up some of those badges. 
in case you lose the contest or in case you decide, you know, or, or, you know, you end up winning the, the DVD set instead, then you'll have all this extra cash from not having to buy season two of Next Generation on Blu-ray. And you can put that towards some of these, these alien art badges, which Toba Ushi did. He's the guy who did most of the art for the website. And uh, there's eight original aliens. You can get a Klingon. You can get a Gorn. You can get a Borg. It's the best way to teach a new kid uh, the different aliens from Star Trek. Just be careful because they've got the little, uh, you know, safety pin thing on the back. Well, you could get them in art print instead. Um, And they're available as both badges and art prints. Kids have to learn the pointy things hurt. Okay. And, you know, by donating to Trek FM... You can get these these badges. They're they're available in both badges and art prints, and, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like and in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. As always... You can find us right here on Trek.fm, where we do this show and where I also do Standard Orbit with Drew. Or you can find us on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do Commentary Trackstars off-topic, along with Brandon. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars, or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Okay, well that's it for part three of our series on Will Wheaton, and we will be back next week to recap Will Wheaton's career. 